Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Good morning. I am excited to be here today to share week two of the Verses series with you guys. And last week, Jared brought us faith versus fear and how faith is essential if we want to overcome and have an abundant life. Well, this week, we're going to look at image versus identity and how image, image needs to be received, but it cannot be achieved. To start this series, though, I want to start off with a, a short video clip. Saturday, March 24th, 1984. Shermer High School, Shermer, Illinois. 60062. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. What we did was wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. What do you care? Can you see us as you want to see us? In the simplest terms, the most convenient definitions. You see us as a brain, an athlete, basket case, princess, and a criminal. Correct? That's the way we saw each other at 7 o'clock this morning. We were brainwashed. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, with the most convenient definitions. You see us as a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. That's the way we saw each other. We were brainwashed. We were brainwashed to think that all we are is the image that the world sees us. Who are you in the video? What is your image in this world? More importantly, if someone asks you, what's your identity, how would you answer them? People take on images for a lot of different reasons. People take on images to hide from hurts and scars from the past. People take on images to try to manipulate the present and gain a future. But then there's people that take on an image, not so much they take on an image, an image is forced upon them by the world. Breakfast Club, these kids, you find out they didn't want their image. They didn't like their image, but they didn't have an option. It was given to them. I've seen this whole idea, this this searching for an image, I've seen it wreak havoc in a a lot of people's lives, a lot of Christians' lives, a lot of my friends' lives. It doesn't matter your gender or your age or your social status. I've seen it wreak havoc in my life in the past. When I was growing up, I went through five schools. And I I did public, private, north, south, country, city. Every time I would go to a new school, I would try to adjust my image. I would try to manipulate my image to to gain acceptance, to gain friendship. 
And I learned, what I took and learned from there, I, I took into my 20s. And, and I saw images that I, I thought I should be. I saw images that looked like they were happy, like they were fun. I saw people that I thought were successful, and they, this is what life is about. And when you're in your early 20s, you know how ridiculous that can be. And I, I found my image in the clubs. I found my image in the middle of the party. And I thought, once I achieve that, once I'm surrounded by friends, once I, once I get the dance on, I will be happy at that point, right? And I strove for that image. Even though it wasn't my personality, I strove for that image and I built that image. And what I found when I got there was that images can be empty and that I was empty. So I sought for a, a different image. And I looked around and I was building a career, so I looked at people who had made it further up the career than I did. And I looked at people like my father who had done well in his, in his career field. And I, I, I saw the outside and I said, I want that. That is the image that I want. And so I manipulated my image again and I strove for another image. And I worked my way up. And what I discovered when I was up there was that I was as empty there as I was in the club because it's still an empty image. I just discovered that it also carried an ulcer from a lot of work. So what image are you using? What image are you using to cover up hurts and scars in the past? What image are you using to find acceptance? What image are you using to try to manipulate your future? What image has been forced upon you that you really don't want? Or that the image that has left you, like, is this it? Is, is this all there is in life? Is just this image, one image after another? Scripture tells a very good story about image and identity. Luke tells it in the Gospel of Luke 15. And he talks about this father, and the father was loaded. He was a rich man, which back in the day meant he probably had a lot of cattle, a lot of, a lot of sheep, maybe some land, a bunch of servants. He was a farmer. That's, it was rural then. And the son didn't like the identity as that man's son. He didn't, he didn't like the image. He was like, there has to be more. And so he went to his father, and he said, Dad, I want my half of the inheritance now. I, I know you're not dead, but just give it to me. And you know his brother was like, dude, bad move. But he took it anyways. He took it and he run, ran, and, and he went to the city. He had bought into the image that there is more out there, that there is a faster pace, there's a higher life. And so that's what he went in. He rocked the, the town. And Proverbs says to us, a rich man has many friends, but a poor man not so much. And he found that out. Because sooner or later, the money runs out, the image runs dry. And when his image ran dry, so did his friends. Because they went and found somebody with a new image, with more money. And now his image was a has-been. And we all know someone like that. Someone who had a good day and a good time at one point in their life. They took that picture. 
And 5, 10, 20 years from now, they're still using that picture to talk about. They're still taking that picture, and that's their image. That's who they portray to the world. And every time you talk to them, that's what they have to talk about. Well, his image was a has-been. His image was, he's broke. He was so broke that he was getting paid to feed the pigs. And the pay was so bad, he was sucking up their slop. I mean, that is the image that he now had. He knew that there had to be something more. He knew his father's, his father paid his people better. His father's people ate well. His father's servants lived well. But he also knew he gave up his identity. He threw his identity away. But he knew he had to do something. He couldn't live like that. He couldn't live empty. So he went home. He went home with a plan. He went home, and the whole way home, he's working on how to tell his father not that he wants his identity back, not that he wants to be the son. He wants to be a servant. He wants to get by. He wants to survive and just get through this world. And as he's walking up to the house, he sees his father come out. And he sees his father running at him, it says. And you know he had to have been thinking, uh-oh, when daddy's running at you, you know you're in trouble, right? He did not know what he was going to get when, when daddy got to him. But it's not what he expected. When he got there, his father, it says, wrapped his arms around him. You can almost see the tears in the father's face as he cried out, my son, my son, you have come home. He didn't count that his father was looking for him, that his father missed him, that his father was waiting on him. He didn't count on the love and the grace and the mercy of the father. That prodigal son is me. I am that prodigal son. We are all that prodigal son. Here's the cool thing about Scripture. Scripture, it generally has one interpretation, but it can have many applications. The application that this one a lot of times used is salvation. But today I want to talk about it from a perspective of image and identity. See, whether you're a Christian or not, anyone who has allowed an image to dictate the direction of their life has consequences coming to them. You can't miss it. And the sooner that you realize that, the sooner that you you realize to head home, to to accept your identity, your God-given identity, the easier it's going to be. Anyone, whether they're Christians or not, who are burnt out, tired, worn out from, this, from, from all that life is throwing at you, you need to realize you have a place to go. You have a road home. You have a father who's waiting for you and longing for you and desiring you. So where do we get our identity? King David in Psalms 
has some good input into this. He says in Psalms 139, 13 through 15, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And get this part right here. I will praise you because I have, you have been remarkably and wonderfully made. You have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your identity. God gave it to you. God created you. From the moment of conception, you had an identity. But can you accept your identity? Can you accept that you were remarkably and wonderfully made? Or when you hear that, if, if, if God was to tell you, you are remarkably and wonderfully made, would you, would you say, not so much. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've, what I've hidden. You don't know what's behind the image I'm portraying to the world. But here, here's the thing. God made you. God knows every part about you. God knows what you're hiding behind your image. And he still says, you're remarkably and wonderfully made. To accept our identity, though, it's essential that we believe that, that we believe what God says. We need to stop accepting the identity others push on us, the image others push on us, the way others define us, because there is only one who can define us, and that is God. If we don't accept the image, if we don't accept that God is the only one who can give us our identity, we are going to begin to let others define us. And that's going to fall short. Truth is, the truth is, is, like I said, God is the only one who can define you. God is honest. Let's be real here. People can, people can fall short when, when it comes to, to defining you. People, people look at image. They look at what's on the outside. People see you coming, and so often they have made up their mind who you are. People will hear one or two things you say, and they think they know you. And God says, no, that's, no, you are not your image. You are not what they see. There is more. In, in the Old Testament, there was a king who failed, King Saul. And God's prophet, Samuel, really liked this king, right? This king, he had the look. He was tall. They said he was handsome. He had a lot of charisma. He was good in battle. And, and Samuel wanted King Saul to remain in power. And God said, you don't know him. You don't know what's behind that, that, that look, that image. It, here's what God said to Saul, Samuel about image. Do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Here's the part. Receive this one right here. 
Man does not see what the Lord sees. For man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Man looks at image, but God says identity is what is important. I like the way someone else put it. In The Lion King, Simba is, is trying to rediscover his identity. He's going through his image and his identity and getting ready to go home. And his father, Mufasa, says to him, Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than you have become. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you were created to be. See, identity can't be achieved. It can only be received by the God who made you. Image may, image may explain why we do some of the things we do. It may explain some of the surface. But we cannot let it identify us. Another movie that has some good insight into this is Will Smith. I, he always has insight, Yoda insight. He says in the, the legend of Bagger Vance, inside each and every one of us is one true authentic swing. Something we were born with. Something that's ours and ours alone. Something that can't be taught or learned Something that has to be remembered. And I like this part here. Over time, the world can rob us of our swing. The world can rob us of our swing. What is your true, authentic swing? Who are you intended to be? Who did God create you to be? We've talked about where you got your identity from, and that, that's from God. We know that. We know that we're more than the image that the world portrays, but really, what, why? Who are we intended to be? What is our true identity? The Apostle Paul weighs in on this in Ephesians 2.10. He says, For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. The phrase, his creation, if you take it from the original language and bring it to the English, another way that you can translate that is his masterpiece. I love that, that we're his masterpiece. When I think of a masterpiece, I think of music, I think of Bach and Beethoven. I think of beautiful pictures. I, I think of Mona Lisa and Starry Night. Masterpieces are inspiring. They're of an incredible beauty. They have incredible value. And that's you. That's me. That's all of us. We're a thing of, we're inspiring. We have it in us. We are things of beauty, of value. 
When you, when you think that, when you hear that, do you think, do, can you believe that? Or are, are, you, are you saying he's talking about someone else? God loves you. He gave you an identity, and he loves what he created. Oftentimes, people have a hard time accepting that. I know a lot of Christians that have a hard time accepting that because of sin, because they have that thing hidden in them. And they're like, oh no, if, if, if God knew, if people knew, they couldn't accept that. But that's why we need to actively remind ourselves of God's love. Because where we get identity, where we get the reason that we are loved is nothing that we do for ourselves. That is dependent on God's nature. We are a masterpiece because he created us. We are loved because he chose to love us. It has nothing to do with what we've done. It has nothing to do with our image. It's all about our identity. Through understanding our identity, through understanding that God loves us, we, will, we have the capability at that time to love ourselves. And not love ourselves in a puffed up way, but in genuine humility to accept and love who God made us. And when we can accept that, when we can love ourselves like that, and the fact that God created us, it enables us to love those around us. But if you're a miserable person who can't even accept that you are loved by God, you can't give someone else what you don't have. See, we can grasp, we can miss the point of our identity. We cannot accept our identity and still go to heaven. We cannot accept our identity and be saved. But we can also not have victory in this life. We cannot have joy in this life. We cannot have peace in this life. That's what identity is giving you. Identity is not giving you necessarily salvation. It's giving you a knowledge of who you are and that you are loved. We can miss our identity go to heaven, and still feel condemned and inadequate throughout our entire life and our Christian walk. That, that right there, not knowing your identity, is how Christians end up striving for good works, trying to prove themselves. And that's how people end up living out miserable Christian lives. Because they have accepted the salvation without the love, without the identity. Earlier I said that scripture can have various applications, even though it generally has one interpretation. And an example of that is John 10.10. Pastor Jared used that last week. In his sermon about fear, 
and faith. Well, this week I want to look at it from image and identity. John 10.10 says, A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have life and life in abundance. It's essential that we understand our identity so that we can accept all that Christ has done for us. See, image will rob us of our swing. Image will steal and kill our knowledge of our identity. Image will kill and steal our joy and our peace. Identity, on the other hand, embraces who we were meant to be. Identity says we are a masterpiece of God in Christ Jesus for good works. Identity accepts the gift that, God, that Christ talked about in John 10.10. 10. Identity accepts having the life Christ talked about in John 10.10. 10. When we embrace our identity, then, then we can have life and life of abundance. So how can we have this life? How can we know our identity? It's simple. Know God. Know God and you know yourself. Know God and you understand your true identity. The better you know God, the more accepting you are of of grasping on to your identity. I can talk about identity. I can tell you who created you. I can tell you that your identity is more than your image. Scripture tells us all that. I can even tell you why you were created. You were created to know God and enjoy Him forever. But to know your identity, to truly, really know your identity... There's one thing you need to do. And I'm going to challenge you over this next week for this thing. I challenge you this week to saturate yourself in the Word of God. Saturate your mind in God's Word so that you know God and you will know your identity. Saturate your mind in God's Word and you will discover your purpose here on earth. You will discover peace Saturate your mind in God's word and you will discover you are far more than any image you can create. There's two verses I want you to take with you today. And and I want you to meditate on these throughout the week. I want you to read these throughout the week. The first one we read before, Psalms 139, 13 through 15. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Know this, and you will know who made you. 
Know this, and you will know your identity. Know this, and you will know you are remarkably and wonderfully made. Know this verse. The other verse I want to give you is Romans 8.35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? The answer is no. In this verse, God tells us that in context, once we submit to Christ, there is nothing that can separate us from his love. What God has given, no man can take away. Saturate your mind daily in God's word. Don't let the enemy steal your identity. You're God's masterpiece. Believe it and live it. Don't let the enemy sell you a cheap image. Rather than living out in the freedom of your identity. Our identity is received from God, not achieved through anything that we have done. Our identity is received, it's not achieved. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving options. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.